Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Morning, Edwin. Good morning, Andrew. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, middle of the week. Yeah, moving through another week, moving through with Psalm 50. You were telling me that Psalm 50 has every name of God all rolled up there into one. So verse one, yes, I, I was telling you that. Uh, so it starts, and from the translation we're going to read today, it says, the God of gods, the Lord speaks. It actually has El, uh-huh. that means Elohim, God. Uh-huh. and Yahweh, and Yahweh. All, all right here in a row. The only other place that happens is Joshua twenty-two twenty-two, and that's actually when they had the altar of witness built, mm. and the tribes were crying out to God, we really are the people of God. So this is an interesting beginning to this psalm where you have Israelites, it seems, expecting God to come in judgment on the peoples, but instead right. he's going to come in judgment on them. So that's the name when they're all making their commitment to the covenant, and now God is reminding them about the covenant and even how they've been failing in the covenant. Yes, absolutely. There's probably a reason that it's El Elohim Yahweh, huh? Yeah, I'm sure there is. <laughs> yeah, well, it moves from generic to specific. It mm, moves from mm-hmm. the generic term God for God to... that all of the nations would have used to refer right, to God right. to that covenant name, Yahweh, mm-hmm. that the God is our God, Yahweh, and he's coming from his city, but the city itself is mm-hmm. not exempt from the judgment he brings. Yeah. So anyway, I think people like to listen to our conversations for those little nuggets. So what what, what, what translation are you reading Psalm 50 out of We today? have not read for several weeks from the New Century Version, the International Children's Bible. So that's what I'm going to read from today, Psalm 50, the New Century Version. The, a Song of Asaph, the God of gods, the Lord speaks. He calls the earth from the rising to the setting sun. God shines from Jerusalem. His beauty is perfect. Our God comes and he will not be silent. A fire burns in front of him and a storm surrounds him. He calls to the sky and to the earth to see him judge his people. He says, you who worship me, gather around. You have made an agreement with me using a sacrifice. God is the judge. Even the skies say he is right. God says, my people, listen to me. Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. I do not scold you for your sacrifices. You always bring me your burnt offerings. But I do not need the bulls from your stalls or the goats from your pens. Every animal of the forest is already mine. The cattle on a thousand hills are mine. I know every bird on the mountain, every living thing in the fields is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. The earth and everything on it are mine. I don't eat the meat of bulls or drink the blood of goats. Give an offering to show thanks to God. Give God most high what you have promised. Call to me in times of trouble. I will save you and you will honor me. But God says to the wicked people, why do you talk about my laws? Why do you mention my agreement? You hate my teachings. You turn your back on what I say. When you see a thief, you join him. You take part in adultery. You don't stop your mouth from speaking evil. Your tongue makes up lies. You speak against your brother. You lie about your mother's son. I have kept quiet while you did these things. So you thought I was just like you, but I will scold you. I will accuse you to your face. Think about this. You people who forget God, otherwise I will tear you apart and no one will save you. Those people honor me who give me offerings to show thanks. And I, God, 
will save those who do that. All right. Well, I tell you what, that is an accessible translation. That one really kind of just gets down to the heart of it, doesn't it? It really does. It just clarifies a couple of things. You know, one of the things that struck me as you're reading, and and particularly I think the way it was framed uh, there for us in that uh, New Century version, was just reminding us that God is not like us. Okay, he's not. He doesn't get hungry. <laughs> he's not in need of anything. That's it. I mean, I don't know what you think about Edwin, but what a what an odd concept, and to my mind, to correct. But he's spelling it out for them. I'm not eating the flesh of these animals. I'm not drinking the blood of these animals. Why would they even think that? Why would Why would that need to be said? My understanding is there was a common concept among the pagans that the reason for sacrifices was to feed the gods. Mm. If you go back to the apocryphal book of Bell and the Dragon, which are some apocryphal extensions of the book of Daniel, uh, the the stories there, um, I say, I believe it was the one about Bell, where Mm -hmm. Daniel is talking to the king, and the king says, well, I know the God is real because he eats the sacrifice. And Daniel goes into the area where the altar is, and he, unbeknownst to anyone else, throws out some kind of dust or grain or something on the the ground. And in the next morning, when they come back to the altar, they see where there was an entryway for priests to come in and remove the sacrifice. And you see the footsteps in the dust. Mm -hmm. And so that recognition that, well, Bell's not real. Mm-hmm. Bell's not real. He's not actually eating these sacrifices. So I believe there was this kind of idea that you really were feeding the God. And Yahweh is pointing out, I didn't ask for these sacrifices because I need these sacrifices. Mm-hmm. This is, in, in fact, think about it. Most of the sacrifices that were actually offered to God, do you remember what they were supposed to do with them? Uh, whole burnt offerings, Completely right? Completely burn them up. Just, yeah. I mean, all the way, I mean, just complete right. burning so that there was no eating. If, if The very way they offered the sacrifice was a demonstration of we're not feeding anybody. We're utterly destroying this thing. Mm-hmm. And yet there was this mm-hmm. concept. This concept. We're providing something for God. And I. And so there's a correction there being made. Get a clear picture of God. I, w- yeah. One of the modern parallels to that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I've done lots and lots of study and teaching and looking into prayer, and I understand why people say this, but one of the very common things, and I know they're saying this because they're trying to encourage people to pray, and I appreciate that, mm-hmm. but this idea that God is somehow a lonely God mm. who created us because he needs our fellowship, and he's just up there in heaven needing us to pray to him because he's needing that fellowship. No, no. Not at all. God does not need our prayers. Mm-hmm. We need what God offers us through prayer. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. if if God were lonely, right, He wouldn't call on us, right? Okay, right. He is in Himself, Father, Son, and Spirit. All that He needs, we need God. Now, God wants us, and God loves us, and that's an amazing thing. But it's this the same kind of idea here that uh, we're, we're somehow going to barter with God and give him what he needs and get back from him what we need. I, I know we're going to talk a little bit more about that later in the week. 
Well, but, well, I was just going to say, you know, th- this idea that I'm feeding God, that God gets hungry, that God needs something. I think it underscores another concept introduced a little later in the psalm. In verse 21, when he's rebuking, it would seem those trying to sit in the place of teaching his words, though that they were not practicing them. It says, these things you have done, and I kept silent. You thought that I was altogether like you. There is this caricature of God. They've their their concept of God, they're remaking him in their own image. Mm-hmm. And we get hungry and we get lonely and we have needs. And so we'll, we'll project all that on God. Or we have our little vices and peculiarities and you know as as people became became more uh, I guess creative in the different stories and legends of God, you, gods, excuse me, gods. I'm thinking particularly about like Zeus and other Greek mythology, and you can go to the different mythologies. You see how all the gods are just kind of scoundrels, yeah. you know? They're 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 just like because people, people are scoundrels. More power because people are scoundrels. That's right. And there's all this intrigue, and there's murder, and people are cheating on people's wives, and all this kind of stuff. And these are the gods. I think this is one of the reasons why statuary idolatry is mm-hmm. condemned by Yahweh in the Ten commandments okay so at at beginning it's have no other gods before me Mm -hmm. and then it's don't make images don't make idols and some people view those as if it's just a repetition of the same command i don't think it is at all the first one is don't don't put anything on my level don't put anything in the room with me we don't have a pantheon of gods this Mm -hmm. it's me that's it that's it but now don't make any images of me Why? Because when you start making images, your concept of who God is will be limited by the image. If you make it a bull, okay, it might be a very strong bull, and it might have horns that can gore and bring judgment, and it might have eyes all over that sees a lot. But in the end, it's still just a bull. Right. And that limits. Mm -hmm. There's no way that this positioned, immobile... Mm-hmm. powerless thing mm-hmm. can represent the all powerful all present all knowing god it's just and so he says don't do these images because that's going to bring down this idea of you thinking that i am like you yeah but let me yeah. drill down just a little bit more on that statement because i think there is the general concept of you thought I was like you, mm-hmm. and we see that throughout the psalm, I do think that he's even highlighting a very specific aspect of this. You thought I was just like you. What what has he said about them? He said, you have the covenant on your lips, mm-hmm. but you're not keeping it. That's right. You thought I was like you. Because I was silent, mm-hmm. you thought I had made the covenant but I wouldn't keep the covenant. covenant. Yeah. And what was God's promise to them? If you go into sin, if you don't obey, Mm -hmm. I'm going to bring judgment upon you. Mm -hmm. Guys, I'm not like that. I actually keep the covenant. I may have been silent, but when silence breaks, I'm not like you. I keep my covenant. And my covenant said, you're going to be judged. Yeah. Heaven and earth were witnesses to God's faithfulness, and heaven and earth were witnesses that they had broken their faithfulness. Now, there's clarification going on in this psalm. All right, you guys are keeping some outward rituals. There are animals being sacrificed. We do have bulls and goats and blood and all of that. And yet, even in the ritual offerings going to the tabernacle and the temple— uh, he is not pleased. Mm-mm. He's not pleased because uh, on one hand, maybe there's this idea that they don't understand him like they're feeding him, so they miss out there. He is not pleased because the rest of their life clearly does not speak to the holiness and the covenant fellowship. 
that really should picture the people who would come and worship God. Uh, if I could use these words, you know, we're, we're encouraged, raise up holy hands. Their hands are not holy. Mm-mm. When they lift up their hands, it shows that there's grievances, sin, and blood on these hands, right? And so their their hearts are not right. They're not living it. That that is exactly that is exactly what's going on here. The getting some external forms correctly mm-hmm. is not the same as worshiping God. Mm-hmm. And well, I mean Jesus Himself. What God is looking for is worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. Yeah, John four. And what's what's happening here in Psalm fifty is we're checking some boxes. There's some rituals that we know God has prescribed, and we're going to keep those as closely to the pattern as we possibly can, but our hearts are, are not where they're supposed to be on this. Mm-hmm. And that, that gets manifested in two ways. Number one, they don't understand the sacrifices. They think that somehow they're providing a need, mm-hmm. and they're not. Mm-hmm. And so even their motivation in offering the sacrifice is incorrect, which I think that can happen with our worship. How many times when it comes to our worship does it become about our fulfillment and our happiness? And, boy, I just really got something out of this today. I, I mean, no, I, I, I agree. I think there's an attitude today that says worship is good worship and spiritual worship if it's somehow cathartic. You know, if, if we can bring a congregation of people through kind of a series of emotions, some type of either kind of a release of joy or tears or whatever it is, well, now we've worshipped. Yeah. You know, and, and kind of a really, frankly, a misunderstanding that if we've played the emotions right, that is spirituality. If we and were doing these, so. if we were going through these forms correctly, I would get something out of it, mm-hmm. rather than I am here to lay myself out before God and declare His worthiness. And the the second manifestation of this improper heart is because I went through these rituals in the worship time, whether individual or family or congregation, correctly. Then what I do the rest of the time doesn't matter. I can right. compartmentalize. Yeah, when my heart is right. All of it comes together, and that's what that's what this psalm is really driving. I need to not focus on the rituals. I need to focus on the heart. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't rituals. Sure. They were supposed to go to the temple. They were supposed to sacrifice. He actually comments on that You know, earlier in the psalm. You're doing these things. That's not the problem. Verse 8, I will not rebuke you for your sacrifices. Yeah, so yeah. we're supposed to do the, the rituals that he has for us. We are supposed to sing. We are supposed to pray. We are supposed to participate in As the Lord's Christians, Supper. We right, are supposed yeah. to gather together with yeah. others and worship. And if we're not doing that, we're violating his will. But if the heart is not there with it, yeah. I start with the heart and the rituals will follow. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. I start with the rituals, it doesn't work the other way. Mm-hmm. Amen. We're so glad that you joined us for Text Talk today. Boy, these are some great conversations in Psalm 50. We need to have a word of prayer yeah. here. Holy God, you are the wondrous Lord of heaven and earth. We praise your name. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for sending your son to die for us. And we pray, Father, that you would be magnified by us. Clear out our heart and fill our heart. We love you. It's through your son we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. 
Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.